Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 445. Don't underestimate the power of regulars, especially in the coffee business. You you live on those regulars, and so you've got to take care of those regulars. And and to do that, you got to have people that are just super customer service focused working. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest shane anderson shane my man are you feeling unstoppable today? i'm feeling unstoppable today. <laughs> yes and a quick shout out to eric solar my uh recent guest who called you out uh so in 2011 shane anderson opened ghost like coffee six years later they launched the hashtag ghost truck their mobile coffee house and on top of this shane's wife leslie is in the process of planning a new startup to develop curriculum and provide training in ohio's emerging medical water marijuana marijuana <laughs> industry uh and the couple also owns a little city love an online and wholesale greeting card in home goods company so obviously we're just scraping the, the, the surface about who you are and what you got going on in your life but i can't wait to get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you have for us i don't know if this is much of a quote but uh um just do it it's I short mean, and sweet man <laughs> i mean you just gotta you just gotta jump in and and make it happen yeah so uh how has just doing it served you into the like in your career like early on especially because i feel like we'll get into it but uh you didn't have much experience in the the uh hospitality industry prior to opening your own place no i um i taught for many years yeah. um with uh, i was a music teacher with uh, i was a band director actually okay and uh in a way that was kind of i mean kind of my mantra then too yeah. it's like you just got to get out there do the work uh, make it happen try your try your hardest and and do your best yeah. you know and um same thing goes with this this whole uh you know, coffee shop startup, you nice. know, it's just like, Oh, let's just go make it happen. And so and we br- did bring it, bring us to the point where this opportunity first fell on your lap. I mean, I, cause as far as I can tell this ghost light is the, your first experience in the industry and you, you made it very successful. Was there a dream prior to that to opening your own place or how did this all happen for you? Well, for years I, I thought about it. Um, as a band director, I had seen plenty of other band directors that were burnt out and, uh, spending their Friday nights at football games and Saturdays, uh, 
you know, out in the cold, uh, yeah. <laughs> wet rain of, of autumn. And um, I knew that I would do something else before I got burnt out. Yeah. And, uh, and you kind of laughed earlier when we talked about this. So I started a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how did that just happen? I mean, did, what, did you plan it or did the opportunity come to you? Talk us through it. Uh, lots of, lots of years of, of diving in and thinking about and learning and reading and talking to people in the industry. Um, and then the opportunity came around for me to leave. Um, and I had a business partner at the time, but before we could actually make a move, the economy started to tank. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so it was like, eh, this is not so the best idea. Uh, so somewhere around 2006, 2007, somewhere okay. in there. And then um, I was working with him actually in real estate and things started to change there. And it was like the signs were not right. So I went back to teaching for a couple of years. And then this place just kind of fell into my lap. So 2006, 2007, what was it about the industry that really drew you to it? Why did you want to get started in this industry? Well, from a personal standpoint, um, I mean, besides, I mean, there was two things, the love of coffee, yeah. you know, and the love of like interesting space, the love of um, bringing people together. I was, I was a music teacher. I worked in theater. I did some theater work um, and I saw it as a, a community, um, an opportunity to build kind of a community space, you know? Okay. And I looked at lots of spaces around Dayton um, from a space standpoint, from a um, physical location. Um, so at this point, you kind of had it like in like the, the ether. Like it was known that you were in the market for potentially opening your own coffee place. So people who might have had a property might have known that you're a guy that might be potentially interested in that space. Is that safe to say? Oh, probably because I think I looked at every space that was available. <laughs> okay. <at> that time. <laughs> um, so what was it about coffee? I'm curious. Uh, when did you really find your passion for coffee? And what is it about coffee in particular that you love so much? Well, as a, um, as a teacher, you know, yeah. I mean, in most industries, you, yeah. you live on it, you know yeah. I mean? It's like, um, you know, I would drive through, I would take a detour to work in order to go to a coffee shop downtown Dayton, you yeah. know, every single morning. Um, and so, you know, there's that aspect of it to, to begin with. And then the more you got into it, the more you could, the more you learned about, um, just the, the kind of almost the human nature of coffee and, and learning about, um, the people at the other end of, yeah. the, of, of the process. So you know? dive into that. What, what do you mean by the people at the other end? How can you serve those people? With, obviously, I think the answer is obvious, but like really dive into why it matters to you. Well, as I was getting ready to open this actual space, so this was after I'd gone back to teaching for a couple of years, and then, um, and, and then I, um, the space opened up as um, I knew the people that owned this building. And so we had talked and so I, I was researching a little deeper on who I would work with from a roaster standpoint. And I found this organization in Cincinnati that um, it was a, at the time it was a nonprofit organization and they worked directly with farmers of uh, La Armenia Hermosa in Guatemala. Okay. And their whole goal was to, um, to build those farmers up and give those farmers um, the opportunity to improve practices mm -hmm. um, learn more about the business aspect of, you know, being in the coffee industry yeah. and produce better product. And, and it was a really intriguing um, meeting when I first met with these people down in Cincinnati, Deeper Roots. And um, it's just, you can see in a ethically sourced coffee situation, you can see the impact 
that this cup of coffee has by brewing this cup of coffee here in Dayton, Ohio, yeah. what it has on the people in Guatemala or wherever. So what is the impact? Like, can you give us some specific examples of, of the impact you sourcing your coffee from this uh, provider in Cincinnati, like this roaster? Like what, how has that impacted your business? Do you think? Well, Garen, well, well, your business and their community. I'm sorry. Well, impact on them is uh, a guarantee of a better price. You know yeah. I mean? Uh, so many small farmers, um, that everything just gets lumped in and just sold at, you know, commodity pricing. Um, this, I mean, it goes beyond the fair trade, you know, I mean, fair trade, fair trade is great at one level, but direct trade where it's an actual relationship with the farmers, it takes it to a whole different level. Um, I know times where my roaster was sending people down to Guatemala to live there for a while to work with them on, okay, if you do this different, yeah, this will be better. Mm -hmm. Um, if you learn how to use an Excel document, here's a computer, yeah. you know, you can keep track of things and you can understand things better. And I mean, so every, every aspect of that, in fact, um, deep roots then helped them build what they called the beneficio, a, 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 the processing area of their, their farm, help them fix it up and build a better, um, facility for that. Mm-hmm. And so through paying them higher, um, higher prices on the green coffee, um, helping them to build a better process to produce better coffee. Yeah. All in all, I mean, it just keeps helping Absolutely. that group of farmers. And, uh, and you, you learned all about all this. It's Deep Roots is the name of the roaster? Yeah. yeah. You, you learned all this before opening your own place. So was this yeah, part through, of the research and development of what you would need if you went to go open your own place, like where you would be sourcing and all that? Oh, through the process. I mean, I you know, over the course of years, I... I looked at multiple yeah. different roasters. And actually when we first opened, we were considered a multi-roaster shop um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Deep Roots at that time wasn't even roasting. Yeah. They were getting ready to roast. Okay. And so we opened up with roast. Um, we used beans from uh, Madcap and from okay. Sooner Goss. And um, in the early years, we, there was a roaster out in uh, LA called um, Handsome. So we, okay. we, we sold Handsome. We sold uh, Sight Glass. And um, so all of that was the fun, you know, all of that was the, uh, yeah, let's, let's find some yeah, really great coffees and, and, and just constantly taste awesome so coffee. It sounds like what really was driving you early on was your, your passion for the different flavors of the beans, the beans mm-hmm. themselves, the, the communities that were tied to these, to these beans. And, uh, it sounds like from my perspective, that's what was really driving you in opening your own place, uh, is bringing people together to experience these things. So when did the vision uh, for that, what we just described, really come into play? And when did you really start living intentionally to make it happen? The community aspect? No, uh, actually building out your, your vision, your restaurant, or your cafe, I should say. Well, so that happened in, um, <laughs> it started in 2010, actually, okay. when, um, wow, everything runs together after a little while, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? What yeah. did that process look like? <laughs> so in 2010, um, this building became available. Okay. And at that point, actually, I'd kind of given up the dream, you know, because, okay. yeah. you know, I tried, I thought I was going to, it wasn't going to happen, went back to teaching. Yeah. Uh, I started working on my master's. I actually, in finishing my master's in education, um, I actually finished it after I had already started working on this place. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'd kind of given up the dream, but then this building opened up and it was, it was really bad shape. Okay. And um, so the, the, the people that bought the building, they were going to invest in rehabbing the building and their big goal was to put a a space in here that would gather people on Wayne Avenue. Okay. Um, not known as a big area of gatherings of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was their goal. They were, um, they were like leaders of the neighborhood. Um, 
Karen. Uh, she was the president of the neighborhood. Okay. I lived in the neighborhood. Okay. I'd worked with her on lots of projects. We had started like a jazz festival together. Um, we hosted a jazz festival for a couple of years. We, uh, so, you know, I was involved in yeah. the neighborhood at the time. And um, I was unmarried at the time and, and lived <laughs> down here. And um, so I was very active. So the space became available and they said, hey, we want to put a community type of space in here and you want to open a coffee shop. Okay. Let's talk. Yeah. And so we talked and I, um, I drew up a, a business plan of sorts. It was kind of a, an abbreviated business plan yeah. that I presented to them and they said, sounds good. Let's start working on it. And we worked on it for a long time because certain things, you know, kind of slowed things down, you know, um, zonings and yeah. you know, all that stuff. And, um, so let's stop here for a little bit and do some reflecting and diving a little bit deeper. What were the key things that, uh, reflecting back at this time, what made you, or what do you think made Karen want to approach you? What things did you do in your life to, to put that into the universe where it was even an option? Um, I know that, I mean, number one was they had a very big interest in the neighborhood. Um, like this neighborhood, it's, it's crazy cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's a very diverse neighborhood and the people that live here are very, um, just very concerned about doing things to improve the space in which they live, you know, the okay. area in they live and watching out for each other. And it's a great neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know that, you know, that was a big aspect of theirs was we, we want to do one thing here with this building that will improve the neighborhood. Okay. And I think the reason they approached me probably was I had worked very close with Karen um, on the jazz fest and, and they it, knew that you were looking and they knew your character. Uh, right. So mm-hmm. why not invest in you? Because you, you're a part of this community yourself. You want the same things. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there again, I, I kind of, the, the whole, just, just get it done. You know, the jazz festival was one of those things like, Hey, I think we could do a jazz festival here on the boulevard. And people were like, I don't even like jazz. I'm like, <laughs> well, let's try it. You know, and yeah. we did it. And it was like, you know, this awesome experience. And we did it for a couple of years. And I think it was, that could have been played into it. I'd okay. have to ask her, but you know, well, Shane just goes out and just got it done. You know, yeah. I mean, found the people to, to help pull it off, you know? Yeah. So you, you put yourself out there, you showed that you're capable of pulling something big off. And plus, uh, she just knew that you had this kind of like in the back of your head. So you, she had a space, you had a vision, you know, the two, it's only natural. You paired right. the two together. Yeah. Um, so you said that the space wasn't in great condition. Talk us through, was that a concern of yours just getting started? Like, the, the space itself was it going to be able to uh, funny no not really okay. um i mean every house in this neighborhood was falling apart yeah. when somebody bought it and made yeah. it not falling apart yeah, yeah i mean it's I that you. type of that type of neighborhood you know it's okay. gone through years of decline and you know the house that i bought and and was a double i moved into half of it and you know i spent a lot of I bet. a lot of time working working on it yeah, i mean um so what was right about this space that made you your gut say yes do it the neighborhood Okay. It was the fact that, you know, I'm going to leave teaching. I'm going to leave that paycheck behind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open a shop, um, and I'm going to make it into something for the neighborhood. And I think because of what I see, the people around here, what I see is um, they will support it. I'll have enough money to uh, pay my mortgage, yeah. you know, buy some pizza down the street and, uh, and live my life, you know, I mean, because these people will support it. Yeah. The funny thing was, was, you know, we opened up and all these people walked through the door. I'm like, who are these people? You know, because you're it's not like, from my community. I'm like, you're not even in this neighborhood. I don't know who you are, you know? And, uh, and it, it was the right time too. That's, that's the, the good thing coming out of, um, the time period, you know, coming out of that, that decline, um, economic decline in the United States, it was the right time to open up independent businesses. Um, 
Did you know it was the right time, or was it coincidence? Do you think? Would no, you have done it, it was, was the wrong time. Well, I didn't do it when it was the wrong That's time true. when things That's were declining. Yeah. Um, no, I I don't know that I knew that it was right, but where I learned it was um, there was a newscaster here in town, and he was doing interviews yeah. amongst um, several different businesses opening up. Um, there was a tattoo parlor going to open. There was a hats. Well, no, the hat store wasn't on that one, but there was another restaurant up yeah. the street. There's another coffee shop up the street. And he came to interview, and he was like, why Wayne Avenue? I'm like, why not Wayne Avenue, you know? And, um, but what was interesting was they were focusing on, look at all these businesses that are opening up out of nowhere. And they were all successful. And I think part of that was people, the frustration of the previous years with corporations and banks and auto companies and all of those things that we were all frustrated with. But people were willing to say, well, forget you know, forget the corporation up the street. We're yeah. going to go to the locally owned place. Okay. Keep our money in the, in the, in town. So aside from, uh, the, the presence of the community, that the timing being right, uh, what was it that you were doing in 2011, 2010 that, I mean, this first experience, like what was that even like opening doors? Never, not really having restaurant cafe experience. Like what was it like in the, the beginning? Did you, what did you do wrong early on? Let me ask you that <laughs> looking back at it, what did you do wrong? And now how are you doing it? Right. Um, what did I do wrong? Do you think you did anything wrong? I mean, what? oh yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I've tried to forget a lot of that yeah, stuff, right. you know. Well, first of all, pricing. I think I had pricing wrong, you know. Too high or too low? Too low. Okay. Um, um, I remember looking at a product before we opened a, ch- a chocolate. Yeah. You know, because I was like, oh, I'm gonna have a few items on, you know, for sale, and it was like a five dollar chocolate bar. I'm like, this is Dayton, Ohio. Nobody's gonna buy a five dollar chocolate bar, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple years into it, I'm realizing I can sell $10 chocolate bars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is, you know, I, I underestimated um, what people are willing to pay for high quality items, you know, high quality okay. coffee, high quality beverages. Um, and it hurt me for a while because I didn't want to change prices because, you know, you don't want to lose business. Yeah. And so I wasn't. So making any money make at the how time, you, you know, changes. How did you, how did you start raising the prices without turning your customers off? I didn't for a long time. I think it was uh, two years before I raised prices. Oh wow. Yeah. It was a long time. I mean, it took a while to figure out, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's going on here? You know, I mean, there was all the, the projections and all those things that I, I didn't know how to do. You yeah. know I mean? Yeah. I, well, and the other thing was I was working the bar Constantly, yeah. I mean, like we opened at seven, closed at seven. And you're the, the, the I was there most yeah. of the day, you know. What I mean, yeah. and and I had, <laughs> I had a few employees at the time. You know, I've got okay. quite a few employees now, but um, but I was on bar almost every day. Okay, and um, there was no time to think about stuff because I was sleeping when I wasn't. Okay, here, so, you know. Looking back at the time, uh, you also mentioned. So you mentioned the the the, the prices were, were low. Uh, you were working in the business, not on the business. You're kind of caught up working in the business, not on it. Exactly. What were some of the other things yeah. that you were going through some of the other you know pain points you're feeling and how have you evolved take us through the evolution of getting to the point where you are today where you're you know you're doing the projections you're you're costing things out right and mm-hmm. just take us through that organic growth well i'll tell you one thing that sorry that's that's loud. <laughs> one thing that um one thing that i i don't know if it was my ability to do this or my luck mm-hmm. that i have always surrounded myself with incredible people okay um Work in bar, work in, in various aspects. With So um, I have had very trustworthy employees and, and very 
just great people to work with. Uh, when I first opened, I hired all actors just okay. because that's who I knew because yeah. I was doing theater. And that set us off on the right foot with everybody because ev- they could talk to anybody. And, and so it was great. And we weren't as busy at the time as we are now. And so there was a lot of time to talk to customers, yep. you know. And so that really set us off on the right foot uh, with the community. So take us through that that picture of getting to know the customers and speaking to the customers. Was there something you were training your your uh, employees to do or was it just natural? Uh, reflecting back at that time, like how – I mean, how can we recreate that in our own businesses listening to what you're saying? If you had advice for us, how can we recreate that? Well, first of all, I mean, hiring the right people, I, I mean – I knew the right people at the time because yeah. I was working with them outside of this business, yep. you know, doing theatrical productions. Yep. And for the most part, I, I think I worked with everybody. I think there was one I hadn't worked with in theater prior to opening. Um, so I just, it just, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, I, I have, I've been very lucky with finding the right people and, and, I utilize my staff sometimes, you know, when there is an op- opening saying, you know, anybody that would be great for here. Yeah. Cause then they, they know, um, the culture, they know. Yeah. What, what we're looking for yeah. from a, who gets along with who, how okay. we can get along, how that presents to the customers. Um, and I've been very lucky. I mean, there's of course been some hiccups along the road, you know, of people that don't get along with and, you know, I'm very careful then with scheduling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as much as I can be, you know, within reason. So, um, I think the people that you have pre- that you have customer um, customer front people. Yeah, I mean you've got to have personable people, and and uh, in the coffee world that sometimes is not the case, you know. And <laughs> yeah. whereas you've got a killer barista, but they can't or don't want to talk to anybody, you know. And, I hear you. And that doesn't work for us here. So were you also? You're sounds like you're hiring for pers- hiring for personality, hiring for character. Uh, were the people that were in your your group of friends, the people that you're hiring hiring initially, did they have the coffee experience? Did they know a lot about coffee, or did you have to teach much of that? I had one that had coffee experience, um, and she um, she had a little bit of coffee experience going in. So she was kind of my the person I leaned on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was only here for a short time when we first opened, um, and then everybody else we just trained you yeah. know um the interesting thing is she's moved back to she moved on to chicago and la working in coffee the whole time yeah and now she's back and she's back working here oh, again cool. so she's got you know an intelligentsia uh experience you know experience in different coffee houses around yeah. um chicago and los angeles mm-hmm. and now she's back at Ghostlight. so so what was that process of uh taking these people who had very little uh coffee experience but tons of natural just emotional and social intelligence how did you what was the process of bringing them up to par what did that look like well we, we leaned on deeper roots quite a bit um deeper roots had um at the time um well she's still there she's not in the training situation now but a great trainer named courtney and uh so she traveled up quite a bit and then the uh and less also um, Les Stoneham, who started Deeper Roots. Okay. They both traveled up quite a bit to help us out. Um, I, I went down there and did training with uh, Deeper Roots and the Espresso Guild down there. That they were called Espresso Guild before. Okay. So I did my kind of like in-depth training with them since, you know, there again, I hadn't worked in the industry. Um, so we leaned on them a lot. And then at that time when I, was work, when I opened, I was working bar most of the time. So, so there was a lot of side-by-side work, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, so the staff, you know, went through the trainings, but then I was there. So how long, did you, how long did it take you to get to the point where you felt confident that you could leave, uh, for a few days 
without anything going wrong? Well, I had to in uh, six or eight months after we opened, in July after we opened in November, because um, my brother got married in Florida. So okay. I had to leave for a few. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I was like, I spent the whole week prior to that, like oh. going crazy. Yeah. You know, like, now you need to make sure you need, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the, after we got past that experience, after I got past that, it was a lot easier. I mean, yeah. I, I realized, you know, these guys, not only are they competent, you know, mm-hmm. and they're great, but they have my best interest in mind. You know, they're yeah. not going to go out and just, yeah. you know, do something crazy and screw things up for me. Okay. You know, so. So let's let's just take it through like the natural like uh, evolution of the business, and I'm I'm just gonna like, pass you the ball. Like reflecting back, hindsight being twenty twenty, what are the big pivotal pivotal points in your your restaurant ownership or your cafe ownership career like that helped you uh, not necessarily scale outward but scale inward like emotion like to, to mm-hmm. you know to grow inward like to grow professionally. What were the big moments? Um, constantly. Constantly reviewing things and thinking about, okay, what what are we doing um, as an organization, as a business? What can we do better and what can we do different? Um, different in, you know, we don't have to, we, we can try different things. You know, we can, um, we can do things, we try to innovate, try to do something yeah. interest. And that has helped... Um, That has helped us to um, try to stay forward thinking about the about the business instead of just work off a shop, you know. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? So give me an example of a time you've innovated, a time that you improved something and, and it, it made you better. So when we first opened, cold brew wasn't a thing, you know, yeah. at all. Yeah. And um, and so over the years, we 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 evolved how we did cold brew. I mean, we did cold brew from the beginning, and people were like, "What is that?" and I'll be honest, you know, that first summer it was like, oh my gosh, we don't have any business. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, where's everybody, you know? And once people learn to drink cold brew and, and think of a coffee shop as a cold beverage location yeah. that, that helped get through the year a lot better. Cause okay. that first year was like, hmm, I don't know how, you know, how I'm going to yeah. make it if, if this is what business drops down to during so, the week, during the months of summer. You said you implemented cold brew in the beginning of, in the beginning of when cold brew was something that was being done or in the beginning of when you opened. Nobody in town was doing cold brew. 2011. Um, in 2011. I think um, one other coffee shop and I, we, we both did it about the same time. Okay. You know? what, what year was this? In, in 2011, okay. yeah. And, um, and like nobody heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't on every gas station shelf like it yeah. is now. You know? yeah, yeah. And so it was, a, it was a new product and introducing this new product to the city of Dayton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody wanted to drink hot coffee in the middle of summer and nobody thought of coffee is cold yeah and then so we'd introduce cold brew and then you know through the years you know we did the nitro um like we were one of the first to do nitro in the state we um we did hop infused nitro at one point we you know we try to keep it things interesting and try to so this is just drawing customers like keeping doing what you've been doing uh since the very beginning you found your passion for coffee is just being curious and interested interested in coffee and uh, keeping your you know your ear to the ground like what's happening in the industry oh yeah to capitalize on the the earliest coffee trends does it ever does it ever get too much do you ever do you ever find yourself maybe chasing trends too much has that ever been an issue um i don't know about that I know, like like with Nitro, yeah, I, I invested way too much of my personal time into it because it was, for me, it, it, it was hard to manage the, the the Nitro situation. We actually don't serve it now. We serve cold brew on tap, but we don't have Nitro. And um, 
and that happened about a year ago when I was like trying to get it relaunched for the spring. We, did, yeah. we didn't do it during the winter months. And I was like, man, I spent 20 hours this week just working on nitro stuff. Yeah. I'm like, is it worth it? You know, and we didn't have that big of a, a customer base, you know, so we ended up dropping it at the time. Um, so do you think nitro is a thing that's come and gone within the industry in general or was it just not worth it for you? I think I think that there is a, a community of cold coffee drinkers that prefer nitro. Yeah. Um, for us, it wasn't a huge community of drinkers. We had some that drank it pretty regular, but it wasn't enough to uh, to invest lots of time and, and, and energy and manpower into it. Mm-hmm. Um, cold brew, I mean, cold brew sales are still good and it's the middle of winter. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's amazing to me now that, you know, we go through as many kegs of cold brew as we do <laughs> in the middle of January, you know? So, so how did you know it was time for you? It was just simple. Like that the, the amount of labor that had to go into nitro just wasn't worth the, the draw that you were getting in the return on your, your time investment. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're a single shop. We yeah. don't have, you know, so it's not like I have staff working cold brew constantly. You know, I have to really think about, you know, how many hours I can, put on production and how many hours I can put on the different aspects of different products. And, um, and nitro was just like proportionate, you know, proportionately it was eating up more time. And a lot of that was my own, you know, and, and, um, it was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know? So you also, you also launched the truck. What year was that? 2017 you launched the, the truck. Yeah. Last fall. Okay. Uh, we've kind of, it's sitting right now because it's so cold, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, we launched it. I think, uh, last part of September, early October. And, um, what was the innovation behind that? What, what uh, just interest? taking the coffee house out to the, taking the coffee house to the people type of, uh, yeah. of, of thought. Um, and, and in September and October, my wife and I kind of, we did it. The two of us did it, um, primarily just to see, okay, what works and what doesn't work. Um, trying to find different areas of town where, okay, it'll work to bring it here during the week. You know, we're also going to try to pick up, like, um, catering. Um, when we got married, we had a food truck pull into our backyard, and that there was our go. caterer. Nice. And, you know, we think we can do the same thing with the coffee truck, uh, portable espresso bar, things like that. So that was the vision. Have you been able to do the same thing? Has it worked out? Has it planned? Has it? Yeah, we're starting to book weddings right now, oh, actually. Nice. We've done weddings before. We did one um, Thanksgiving weekend, and, um, you know, we've done weddings over the years without the truck, but... Quite frankly, it's it's so hard to do mobile. Just time commitment of of prepping, loading, unloading. Was that something that you didn't and, uh, foresee being an issue when you first made the investment in the truck? Yeah. Oh no, I think it's. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, because yeah. we can pull up. I mean, depending on what um, what the catering situation will be, we, you know, if it's certain items, we can pull up, open the window, and serve right out of the truck. We can also move equipment inside, move a portable espresso bar inside, things like that. So okay. we can do a, an indoor wedding or we can do a you know, a barn wedding outside with the truck open. So what advice do you have for somebody who's looking to uh, build onto their business? They already have the brick and mortar and they're looking to expand their business, not necessarily to another brick and mortar location, but with being mobile. What, what advice do you have for that person? Yeah, we've, I've had people ask that. It's like, you kind of went backwards. Yeah. You know, so many food trucks will open up a brick and mortar and you kind of went backwards. I'm like, well, this was a good way to expand the business without yeah. that investment. Exactly. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, I'm, I'm always thinking about, okay, if I do open a second location, what part of town should that be in? And this truck will give me the opportunity to kind of test that out. So it's like R&D for you. Yeah, well, I can cool. go out and I can say, hey, let's go check out this, this, uh, this suburb. You know, let's go park on a corner somewhere for a week and open the, open the window and put up a flag and, and see if anybody stops, you know, and see if people 
Um, and when they do stop, if they have a reaction of, oh my gosh, we need coffee in this neighborhood, yeah. you know? So. So have you gotten any data back that reflects like that like has given you like an idea of where it would be better than other places? Uh, we haven't gotten into it that far yet. We um, the more more we were researching like where it should go on a for a truck basis, not necessarily for a second location basis. So you know, discovering like like one of our surprises was this um, kind of anonymous office building, you know, on a road down close to our house actually that you know we drive past every day and don't even realize hardly it's yeah. there. Well. Um, my wife's sister works in that building. Okay. And so one day we were out and she was like, Hey, let me go see if, um, if her building has enough people that would come out. We pulled up and they were like thrilled that somebody thought about stopping there because, you know, you, you see food trucks all over town, yeah. you know, and nobody ever stops at that building. And, um, and we kind of thought, okay, this is kind of an untapped market here is, is these office buildings with, um, people that are ready for a decent coffee, coffee break, you okay. know, instead of the Keurig down the hall. And, uh, so that'll be part of our focus once we uh, get it back up and running this spring is hitting the the uh, office buildings where there's a, a gathering of people that you know don't necessarily want to get in their car and drive down to the local yeah, that makes sense. You know, Starbucks drive through or whatever. So any curveballs through the process of getting your your first food truck in scaling the business in that re- that regard with a food truck uh, that you can let our, our listeners know about something that, you know, maybe you didn't foresee happening or like a curveball that you got that uh, you can share with us that it, prevent us from making the same issue. Well, one of the things, I mean, it was fun to do the research, but it, it was a lot of uh, trial and error and uh, um, uh, it's, it's so hard to figure out is, is the electrical and plumbing needs on the truck. Yeah. You know I mean? Um, the electrical needs primarily, you know, cause so many food trucks I've seen where they've got a generator out back and you can't talk to the person inside because it's so loud. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's like, if I'm taking a coffee house out, I don't want it to feel like, yeah. you know, this loud generator. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, finding a quiet generator, but then that quiet generator can't, of course, produce very much power. So yeah. you got to limit how much power is on the truck. Um, in order to have like both espresso and coffee brewing at the same time, I'd have to double what I've got, you know? So that's why uh, from an espresso standpoint, we'll do that for catering instead of the day-to-day, you know, driving the truck down the street. The truck um, on weekdays will be just coffee and baked goods and um, cold brew and ice cream sandwiches, believe it or not. So okay. cool. <laughs> I wanted to do kind of a an adult ice cream truck. So, so we're going to do – we have a bakery, so the bakers will do ice cream sandwiches then too. So where's the bakery located? Is that on site here? No, we ended up renting a um, – it's a kitchen in an old bar in the basement of a theater. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty cool because you go down the stairs. You, I mean, you feel like you're coming in off of an alley almost. You go down these stairs, and there's like this big wood bar down there. It's, yeah. it's really cool, but they, they don't utilize it. It um, doesn't make sense for what they do, and so they rent it out to us. So we use okay. the kitchen there and the walk-in to produce uh, cold brew and then all of our baked goods. Awesome. So if you have to reflect back at your career in the past uh, eight years or seven years now owning uh-huh. this business, what have been – the biggest lessons you've learned. How were the, the biggest evolutionary evolutionary points for you? Um, don't don't underestimate the power of regulars. Mm. I mean, especially in the coffee business, you you live on those regulars, and um, and so you've got to take care of those regulars. Yeah. And, and to do that, you got to have people that are just super customer service focused. Give me an example of how you take care of a regular or like a way that you take care of them that most other people wouldn't be willing to do. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, we've got the loyalty card system and all of that, you know, which is, is good, but it's not like, I, 
the funny thing about it is like the true regulars don't seem to really care about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I know people that have, you know, 10,000 points or something, maybe not that much, but a lot of points. Yeah. And never use them. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I think it's more of just a, well, let's see what I got today, yeah. you know? But, um, yeah, because I mean, they're, they're, it's almost like they're, they invest in us. You know what I mean? That they don't care about it. It's the ones that are sort of regular that yeah. always cash them in, you know? Yeah. Um, from a owner standpoint, you know, unexpected i got yours you know i got yeah okay dan's is mine today you know i mean like um and i've I've started to implement that with staff occasionally i'll say okay this month is customer appreciation month um where we don't even announce it as customer appreciation month and we'll have the baristas just say you know matt today's yours yours is mine and and then we we kind of keep track of it yeah and that was my next question how do you keep track of that how do you make sure that doesn't get out of control last time we did it we had them actually write it down so you know, let's say, um, you know, one of the baristas said, you know, gave a drink to Matt, mm-hmm. wrote it down on this daily sheet. And so, because the rule was, um, I'm trying to think back on what the rule was. You can only give one per one per shift, and it can't be the same person. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's four, sh- four free drinks a day. That's That doesn't cost anything. You yeah, know, but it, coffee. Yeah, and it builds yeah. a bunch yeah. of goodwill. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What's another big lesson that you can share with our, our listeners? One thing you know to be true about your success here um know your customers and and um i mean this space is it's it's a community is what it is you know so it's it's beyond just the beverages you know it's 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 um it's a community of, of people that come together it, it, it amazes me at at um how people have basically taken ownership of this space um you know, when I when I first built it, I was like, okay, it's only going to be my neighbors. I'm going to treat it like this is my living room. Mm-hmm. Come hang out, you know? Yeah. And then it quickly turned into, this is our living room. What are you doing telling me where to put this chair? You know? yeah. <laughs> it was just like, you know, like the ownership of people have of this place is, is amazing. And um, to the point where, yeah, I mean, knowing those people and, and having an interest in their lives outside of this door, you know, outside of this. And, you know, so, you know, just quick little comments and conversations. And as an owner, it it becomes hard to get work done, you know, because you're, you get sucked into so many conversations, you know, in a good way. I mean, in a very enjoyable way. That's why I had to move my, my space to work on the other side of the building, you know, because it used to be right here. Yeah. And people literally would walk through that door and come in and talk for 20 <laughs> minutes. And I was like, hey, I got to do payroll. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that makes sense. And, um, but really knowing people and, and learning about, you know, what happens. So do you ever have a, do you have a vision of marrying what your wife is up to with her medical marijuana and uh, the, the cafe or the bake, the kitchen that you have? <laughs> uh, any, any plans there? <laughs> no plans there. Not just dreams. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. I mean, <laughs> I I'm not in charge of the bakery. I mean, I have, I hired a an awesome baker. Yeah, and uh, she has full reign of you know. I mean, I certainly say, hey, why don't we try this? And yeah. hey, we need to work on that. But but uh, I don't I don't think we have plans for that as of now. Now maybe down the road. <laughs> I, I don't know what the, all the rules and regulations are. So. Yeah. You're, you're, I think your wife's trying to create a market right now. That's what yeah. I think is going on. Uh, all right. So anything that you haven't discussed up to this point, anything you want to make sure you share with us before we move to the speed round? The speed round. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I didn't <laughs> tell you about the speed round, did I? Uh, no. No. <laughs> uh, no. I, I don't know. All right. Cool. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. 
payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like a foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? This is speed round, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stick with it. Yeah. Stick to it. What is that word? Stick to itiveness, <laughs> uh, something like that. Like just, just do itiveness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What is your biggest weakness? Um, paperwork. Okay. And That's how hard. you uh, how have you overcome that over the years? How have you you know you've recognized it? Have you improved? Uh, yes. Um, usually, um, most improvements come after um, my accountant says you must, you need, <laughs> I need. Um, I, this is a very receipt heavy business. Um, I found a scanning company that I just pop all the receipts into an envelope and send them off to the scanner and they scan them and it goes right into QuickBooks. So what's that company? Oh, it's, um, it's the magic envelope. It's a blue envelope. Um, shoebox, shoebox. Shoebox. Shoebox.com. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll link to that. Yeah. In the show notes. And uh, what is one question or thing you look for when you're looking to b- build your team? You know, one of my interview questions that's happened over the past couple of years um, for, you know, people that I don't already know when I'm interviewing them, I always try to ask, what is one brand 
that you love and respect. It doesn't have to be coffee. I mean, it could be shoes. It could be makeup. It could be, you know, clothing. And then I asked them, how, what, what, what do you love about that brand? And how could you make that happen in the coffee shop? And it's always interesting to see, you know, what they say about a brand, um, whether I know it or not, and then how they would translate that to working on bar. And um, it makes them think about what's, what's a good business and then how they can help me build a good business. How they lift it up. Yeah. I dig it. What is the current challenge today? Paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, any business like this, cash flow is always, yeah. you know I mean? Um, last year, was I spent a lot of money building out a truck, you know? And, and so, you know, cash flow is always a concern, you know? So I'm curious, what was it that helped you determine that you were ready for that? Um, the right truck came along. Okay. Um, I fell in love with it and, um, you know, talking through it with my wife, knowing that, um, I wanted to do the next step, but I'm not ready to jump into the next brick and mortar step, you know? And so it was a great opportunity to do something new, add another element to the business. Build onto the brand. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, okay. So. Share one code of conduct or behavior. This is like a core value, a belief mm-hmm. that you teach your, your people, your team. Um, the power of, of like being friendly, the power mm-hmm. of being nice, um, the power of not... Um, you know, we get a lot of customers coming in here that have never been in a, a third wave coffee shop, you know, and, and are completely confused. And and the power of not letting them feel bad about being completely being pretentious confused. and yeah. stuffy yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, okay. What is one book that is a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner? I can't think of the titles. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of his name right now. It's all good. But it's Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell. Any of his books. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like. I mean, everything that I've read so far. Just how to look at how to look at things differently you yeah. know what i mean is there and, one lesson that when you think of his name something that he taught you in one of his books that really sticks with you to this day well, it's been a while since i read it so um and i've got him here i, I really think uh, <laughs> i, I kind to, of uh, like shotgun this interview on you i realize that so <laughs> i completely understand i really like the tipping point i'm trying to remember I'm just going to say the Malcolm Gladwell books really kind of help. <laughs> no, it's all good. All right. Share one online resource or tool. And actually, at this point, what we can do, we can go deeper into Shoebox. Okay. Uh, so how did you discover Shoebox? Um, I discovered Shoebox. It's been several years, actually. Um, I'm sure that I saw an ad somewhere like on you know social media or something. But it was me trying to keep up with receipts and failing. And... Um, I saw this ad for this service that you could just put them in an envelope and send them away and they come back to you still in that same envelope, but you can then file that away. And it was, it was actually life changing for me because, <laughs> because there it is, you know, you, you just pop them in, yeah. send them away. All of a sudden you get this notification, you got them digitized and, and then you can upload them straight so to how, uh, QuickBooks. How many hours a, a month would you say that that tool alone has uh, saved you? Oh, well, and at that time, at the time that I found it, I was working bar most of the time. Yeah. So I can't even imagine if I was able to do it on a regular basis. I mean, it was literally like boxes, you know? Yeah. And um, 
I think they pro- I probably overwhelmed them actually the first oh, like send me an envelope send me six envelopes you know? <laughs> I, I imagine it was pretty uh, pretty overwhelming when they I mean I don't know I don't know how big of a company it is to be honest yeah. but I think they were a startup when I found them you know yeah. pretty pretty I actually had yeah. them on the show I know the guys are oh, really? really well and uh, to be completely honest the the interface we're using right now is because of these guys because when I I had a mixer and it uh-huh. shit the bed <laughs> or an interface and it wasn't working I was like oh crap and and I had just like went through my money for like that like yeah. sponsorship like that that quarter of sponsorship I was like I don't have any money to get a new mixer and uh-huh. they had just called me the day that I realized I keep on calling it a mixer but it's really called an interface uh-huh. uh, and uh they reached out to me like, Hey, we, we discovered your podcast. We love it. And like, we just want to say like, whatever we can do to, you know, support you and what you're doing with the podcast. Like you just let us know. And I was like, well, um, <laughs> just so happens I need a new interface. Uh-huh. And they, they wired me the money in that moment. Oh my gosh. Over shoebox. So they're Holy a great cow. company. Uh, it's spelled C H O U X B O X. So not like a shoebox. Wait, wait, wait. Sho- we're talking about two different things. Yeah. You sure? Cause they literally do exactly what you're talking about. Do you take pictures of the invoice? How do you spell the company you work for? So I this one is shoe s h o e box b o x e d dot com. There's two shoe boxes. That's crazy. That do the same exact thing. Free unlimited photo backup. Is that it? Shoe box. Duh. What's that? Shoe box. <laughs> With an e d. Shoe boxed. And it's they give you this blue envelope. That, I think it's even called the magic envelope. That's funny. That's crazy. <laughs> well, there's another great company out there called Shoebox. C H O U X B U O X. Wow, so, I'm gonna have to look at that too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, hopefully we just got them a new uh, customer. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, what is one technology other than like online or an app, like the, a technology you're leveraging in house that's new and that's like, maybe helped you become more effective with the communication, productivity, efficiency, profitability? Can you share with us? So for communication, I mean, we we're simple with Facebook. You know, we have a Facebook group. Every once in a while, somebody's like, I'm Facebook. Uh, I'm no longer going to be on Facebook for a month yeah. or whatever. And so then we talk, we send them photos of all of our conversations on text, you know. Um, so if communication, I mean, it's so easy. Um, from a technology standpoint, um, you know, music is a big part of coffee house. I mean, yeah. any restaurant. And um, we switched over to Soundtrack Your Brand because they just recently switched so that we can build playlists on Spotify, drag them right into nice. Shoebox, and it edits out anything that wouldn't be appropriately licensed okay. or have bad language in it or whatever. It, it edits that out for you, but it's great because you can build playlists. And I've got one of my uh, baristas. Uh, she, I just gave her the job today to uh, build some more playlists for us. Um, but to help build the atmosphere, to have... You know, appropriate music yeah. for for the space. And you got to be really careful playing music in a a, a, oh, a place of yeah. uh, what's the word uh, a business just because of, sure. of the rights. Uh, so what, what what's the cost of that? I'm curious. Uh, it's pretty typical of any of the because it, it it does cover rights. So okay. it's like I don't know thirty forty bucks a month something like that. Cool. Um, and then you know like I've got a Spotify account too, so yeah. I can build the playlist there. there but go. so that's ten dollars a month. Um, but yeah, I mean music rights are. Are super important yeah, and nothing and to play with. Can catch people off guard and exactly. And uh, we used to host a lot of music, but um, in fact, that I credit that a lot with helping to build the community yeah. around Ghostlight. Um, when we first opened, we hosted music a lot, but the the cost of live performing rights versus what what people are willing to buy at night in terms of caffeine yeah. didn't match up. Yeah, I couldn't really pay for it. Yeah, you know, because we didn't have that big of sales when we had music. So we still like to have music occasionally, but we have to limit it to um, 
like we have a we host a um, holiday benefit in in December called Songwriter Solstice, and it's all originals. The songwriter singing their own song, or a public domain like Christmas Carol, you yeah. know, or something like that. Um, but other than that, we don't host music anymore because of that expense. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, this is the last question. You ready for it? Okay, it's a doozy. So, all right, brace yourself. Uh-oh. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, and all the memories of you, your work, in your cafe would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three things you know to be true about uh, just your success, the good humanity and just to leave behind it to the restaurant industry. Like what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Three pieces of wisdom. Um, I mean, work hard cause you, you can't do it without working hard and just, yeah. and just making it happen. Just getting out there. And I mean, yeah, the first year I opened, you know, people would, I'd go out to eat with friends after we closed and fall asleep in the booth. You know I mean? It was that type of yeah. experience. Number one, work hard. Number one, two, enjoy it. I mean, it's not worth it if you're not enjoying it. And, uh, and I love coming to work every single day. You know, yeah. I love the experience of the people and, uh, just surround yourself with people that you love. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much. So those are all of the questions and, uh, Thank you so much for letting me come in here for the cup of coffee and to share your story, to share what you know to be true about your success. There were some good nuggets in here. There really were. Uh, Shane, if there's just um, one person you can call, one restaurant group you can call, maybe in Cincinnati, that's why we wrap up every episode. Who would you call out? Well, definitely Les Stoneham and Ryan Doan of Deeper Roots Coffee. They're our roaster and they're great people. Nice. And uh, Les, Ryan, look, I'm coming after you. And if somebody wants to pick up the conversation, ask you a question, uh, maybe come join your team, what's the best way to connect? Best way to connect. Um, find us online at ghostlightcoffee.com. Send us an email, ghostlightcoffee at gmail. Nice. Give us a call. Again, Shane, thank you so much for taking the time. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> well, there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Shane Anderson coming in with the just do it attitude and putting yourself out there and you want to do something you got to let the universe know and uh, he was involved in this community he was searching around he was letting people know he was in the market for opening a cafe and an opportunity pre- presented itself to him and I love the emphasis he put on uh, just you can never undervaluate or undervalue your guests uh, they're so important especially those loyal customers so uh, really lean into those relationships develop those relationships uh, the better you know your people, uh, the better you'll be in the long run. And I love the kind of unique angle of using a food truck to uh, penetrate markets and to find out uh, where your next brick and mortar might be. And you're also uh, creating that brand awareness and developing uh, or, or in growing relationships within the community. I think that's a really cool approach. Uh, awesome stuff today. Thanks again, Shane Anderson, for, uh, joining us, for joining us. And head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Shane Anderson, S-H-A-N-E-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Shane Anderson uh, to find the links to the products and services mentioned, uh, plus a summary of today's discussion, uh, plus uh, the link to the book that was mentioned today, Tipping Point, all right there in the show notes. And if you want more episodes like this, uh, tell me who you want to hear from. Uh, tell me who I can go after to make an example of what guest mentors are in your community. Put them on my radar. Also, tell me what your your, your challenges are, where I can best serve you. I mean, I might not 
have all the answers, but I have access to a huge network of people who are experts. So whatever your challenges are, let me know. I'll go after the best in the industry. We'll get them on the show. We'll learn together. And yeah, um, I think that's all. Uh, help me spread the word. Please share this podcast with anyone you know to uh, or who's aspiring to be great in the industry. And uh, I guess I'll say goodbye. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. Until next time, peace out.